2: The top stories from the KCBS radio newsroom. This is the All Local. Good morning, I'm Margie Schaefer. And
3: I'm Eric Thomas. Here's what's happening. The carousel of Oakland police chiefs continues. The department lost its seventh chief in as many years over the alleged cover-up of an officer's misconduct. The firing threatens to extend two decades of federal oversight, the longest of any police department in the country, which was set to end by June. The Oakland Police Department has been under federal oversight since 2003 due to complaints of abuse of power and vigilante justice by a a group of officers. As KCBS's Megan Goldsby reports, Oakland is once again in need of someone to lead the police department.
2: Now that the mayor of Oakland has fired Chief of Police Leron Armstrong. We're going to go work with the police commission. And with the police commission hand in glove, we are going to be uh,
4: searching nationwide for our next police
2: chief. Mayor Sheng Tao says they're looking for a diverse, experienced pool of candidates who are committed to reform and have demonstrated the ability to improve community police relationships.
4: I also believe true reform does not stop with accountability only. So we must also work to reform the systems that have failed.
2: And that is something my administration will focus on in the coming weeks and months. Armstrong released a statement saying, quote, I am deeply disappointed in the mayor's decision after the relevant facts are fully evaluated by weighing evidence. Instead of pulling sound bites from strategically leaked inaccurate reports, it will be clear I was a loyal and effective reformer of the Oakland Police Department. He's also said to be weighing his legal options. Megan Goldsby, KCBS.
3: And, uh, stay with KCBS. We'll have more reaction on the firing of LaRon Armstrong throughout the morning.
2: If you plan to ride BART's Antioch to Millbrae line this weekend, you may want to download the BART app to keep up with delays. As KCBS's David Welch reports, they're planning major track repairs along that stretch of railway this weekend.
0: This weekend's work is part of a $3.5 billion improvement project aimed at rebuilding BART's core infrastructure. And according to Chris Filippi with BART, it's a big upgrade for the system. This is a big weekend for BART when it comes to track work. We're going to be focused on our yellow line. Crews are replacing over 7,000 feet of worn rail, which means if you're riding BART this weekend, especially on the yellow line, consider planning ahead. Riders can expect 30-minute delays in that portion of the system, and anyone traveling between the Rockridge and Lafayette stations will need to take a free bus. It's going to improve reliability, it's going to improve safety, and really it's all about improving the experience for our busiest line. BART is planning more infrastructure repairs in April, May, and June.
3: David Welch, KCBS. Golden Gate Transit bus and ferry riders are expected to see dramatic fare hikes in the next five years to make up for inflation and increase costs of service. Transit riders Bay Area-wide may see fare hikes as well. KCBS's Jeffrey Schaub with more.
1: The ferry boat San Francisco departs the Larkspur Ferry Terminal nearly full, a major comeback after years of pandemic-driven declines in transit ridership. All that time, Golden Gate Transit ferries and buses have been able to make up ridership losses by benefiting from federal transit subsidies. Golden Gate Transit spokesperson, Paolo Kozolich-Schwartz says that's coming to an end. The long-term
4: deficit or shortfall that we're facing currently is being made up with one-time federal funding that is helping us fill the gap. We expect that to last us the next couple years after which we will have to identify some new sources of funding to sustain our transit service.
1: Following public input, fares could rise 25 cents per trip beginning this summer. In Larkspur, Jeffrey Schaub, KCBS.
2: The man arrested in connection with a deadly home explosion in the outer sunset last week made his first court appearance in San Francisco. 53-year-old Darren Price has been charged with involuntary manslaughter and two counts of child endangerment. DA's office says investigators found suspected butane tanks and other materials. They also tested a jar of suspected hash oil and found it contained highly flammable solvents. The woman who died has been identified as 51-year-old Rita Price. Neighbors say she is the suspect's disabled wife, and the couple lived there with their two children. A caregiver who worked for the couple escaped the fire and remains hospitalized.
3: Companies are picking up new talent without hiring new employees. KCBS's Jade Hernandez breaks down this new trend called quiet hiring, but one expert tells her this may be a sign of the economic times.
2: Trends come and go. In the workplace, quiet hiring is the new buzzword. Dr. Eli Jamison, associate professor of practice at Virginia Tech's Pamphlet College of Business, says the term rebrands an old business tactic. I do think that probably some of the quiet hiring is in reaction to the opportunities that are created, quiet quitting. <laughs> quiet quitting was the trend last year, the term for doing the bare minimum while at work. This year, it's all about quiet hiring, the practice of companies filling vacancies by combing their current employee staff using incentives for open positions and filling the rest with temporary workers. Dr. Jamison says companies should be transparent about its overall game plan, but could this practice end up costing employers and employees in the long run? I think this Cuts both ways on this question. If you're in a place where people are inclined to be quiet quitting in the first place, (laughs) it may mean that you're just taking on a lot of tasks right now in the short term that don't provide you any ostensible benefit. There may not be pay associated with it, given the economic uncertainty. Jade Hernandez, KCBS. San Francisco Sheriff's deputies are investigating an in-custody inmate death at the San Francisco County Jail. The inmate died yesterday despite life-saving measures. Sheriff says the inmate had been under medical observation upon being booked at the jail and remained so up until that person's death. The inmate's name is being withheld until family can be
3: notified. There are still not enough child care workers to fill the necessary jobs. KCBS's Kathy Whitman reports on why that problem exists.
5: The pandemic created a lot of shortages, one of them workers in the child care industry. The Bureau of Labor Statistics just published its latest findings, and it shows that over 50,000 jobs had been lost in the child care sector. But now almost 95 percent of those jobs have been recovered. But there's still a shortage. The low wages in child care guarantee that this situation will continue. Anna Powell, Senior Research and Policy Associate at UC Berkeley, has just worked on an analysis of the latest job figures in the child care industry. She says part of the problem is that a lot of child care is paid directly by families. Very few are able to have a space that is fully paid for similar to a K-12 school setting. Powell says that child care should be treated as part of the public good to give child care workers a living wage and benefits. And other members of the workforce are dependent on quality child care so everyone would benefit. The problem of a shortage of good child care is one that's been around for a while. The pandemic nearly highlighted this and certainly undermined the fragile stability of many of these businesses. Kathy Whitman. KCBS.
3: Studies have shown that too much stress during pregnancy can be bad for mom and baby. KCBS's Alice Wurtz reports that more and more doctors are making stress management part of prenatal care.
5: Stress is common for most everyone, especially parents. Now we've learned managing stress is especially beneficial for pregnant moms and their unborn babies. As a pediatrician and psychiatrist, Dr. Nikki Bush serves as professor and practitioner at UCSF. She says minimizing stress during a woman's pregnancy can lead to better outcomes, for both baby and mom. There's things we can do to improve the well-being of women during pregnancy in terms of care, in the medical context and in our community more broadly. And all of those things can work to reduce the stress of women. Meditation and mindfulness is one technique that has been proven in studies to minimize adversity. Even with mom's past trauma, it can be stressful and impact both baby and mom. A lifetime of mom's experiences that are getting into her skin in a way that can affect the fetus and, and later development. By managing stress in mom. Mom, baby earns the benefit as well according to Dr. Bush. Their birth outcomes, their mental and physical health trajectories early in life and potentially for their lifetimes. To hear more about this topic, tune in to As Prescribed here at 1 p.m. I'm Alice Wurtz, KCBS.
3: As Prescribed is sponsored by UCSF. Parking tickets, they're really expensive in San Francisco, but there is a mechanism in place to help people who actually can't afford to pay. Here's Jim Taylor.
0: We're talking about the financial justice program in San Francisco. It's a project that looks at
6: city and county of San Francisco fines and fees. And we want to make sure that those are not harming any folks who receive them.
0: Jose Cisneros, city treasurer, says rising parking ticket fines here reflect the rising cost of living here. So... We want to make sure that everybody has a chance to pay whatever they owe without being overly harmed. Okay, say I get a parking ticket and I can't afford to pay it. What should I do?
6: You can cond- Tag the MTA, the, the agency that manages those tickets in their collection, and they have a mechanism where they check with um, other parts of the city government to verify income.
0: If it turns out your income is less than average, you may be awarded with a, a lower fine. Jim Taylor, KCBS.
3: Some new research is burning through expectations of where wildfire impacts are most felt. KCBS's Chris Ancarlo reports the findings could remap how we plan for fires.
7: CAL FIRE publishes maps showing where high fire severity zones exist throughout the state. They're key for allocating resources and dictating building codes. And what our studies indicate is that in addition to the valuable information those maps provide, we also ought to be looking at historical fire experience. Stanford professor Chris Field was one of the authors of a study turning the idea of impact on its head. It found the communities in high fire severity zones tended to be wealthier, but where fires were more often experienced, those were poorer. The most important thing to recognize is that there is a really critical equity issue here just to make sure that we're deploying our risk reduction efforts in a way that's fair to communities everywhere this could be that wealthier areas get more attention and more money thus mitigating some risk what we hope is that by publishing this information it will be uh, a light bulb going on field says there's a bit of a negative feedback loop here as places that experience more fire lose people and investment and more resources to fight fire Chris Ancarlo, KCBS.
3: Now that Senator Dianne Feinstein has announced that she will no longer be running for re-election, the race for her seat is heating up. Representative Barbara Lee filed the paperwork to run for the seat yesterday. For more, we're joined on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by KCBS political analyst Mark Sandelo. Good morning, Mark. So she hasn't officially announced yet, but uh, she's getting the foundation laid.
1: Right. And she's told people behind the scenes that she is running. She told that to the Congressional Black Caucus several weeks ago. And, and this is typical of Barbara Lee. I mean, you see, uh, you know, Katie Porter, congresswoman from Southern California. She made a public announcement, uh, you know, at the beginning of this year. Adam Schiff followed up just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, Feinstein had even said she wasn't running yet, although everyone assumed that she would not. Uh, Barbara Lee um, has always been um, a bit understated. And, you know, as I was using this word to describe Feinstein the other day, she is the classic workhorse. She is somebody who is not, prone to call news conferences and draw attention. And I think she has waited primarily because in her mind, the protocol is you wait for the seat to become open before you announce that you are running. So now the seat's open. Feinstein's not running. Presumably Barbara Lee will announce sometime in the next, you know, uh, next few weeks that she is publicly doing it. And, you know, it's gonna be interesting because she is somebody who very much unlike Porter and Schiff it is not one to draw attention to herself. She is not chummy with the media. She does not necessarily demand to be quoted by the media or go on television. And while some people see that that's a wonderful, wonderful trait because she is dedicated to her work, it also makes it more difficult for her to sell herself statewide as the next California senator.
2: What do you make of how this field is shaping up? And I want to ask a couple of questions because, first of all, uh, Nancy Pelosi's endorsement of Schiff. And do we expect Feinstein to endorse anyone?
1: Good questions. And, you know, I was actually surprised to see Pelosi endorse so early. She's been very close with Adam Schiff, but she's very, very close, um, you know, with Barbara Lee, who she has worked on, you know, for, for a quarter of a century now. The two of them have served in Congress. What, what's interesting is that the three of them, Schiff, Lee, and Porter, are not really that ideologically different. Of course, there are nuances. Lee is probably the most progressive of all three of them. Uh, she's been very active in, you know, in combating AIDS. She also is. The only member of Congress to vote against authorizing the use of force immediately after September 11th, saying it was giving the president George W. Bush an open check to do declare war wherever he wanted to, but but this is really going to be more about style than anything else. Now, presumably, no one else is jumping in, but we don't know that. I mean, Ro Khanna, who represents uh, the Bay Area in Congress, he has talked about jumping in, and maybe others will. And then the question is this: wh- Who will emerge from? From this, you know what they call the jungle primary, because it's no longer a Democrat and Republican who run in the primaries to face off against each other. It's the top two vote getters. And if it turns out that two Democrats are the top vote getters, it's gonna be a very, very different race. The one thing we can count on, lots and lots of money is gonna to need to be raised. And right now that means Adam Schiff has a huge advantage with uh you know over twenty million dollars in his account compared to Lee, who has uh you know something like half. a million.
3: All right, Mark, thank you very much. That's KCBS political analyst Mark Sandelo. And Armstrong's
2: termination is unveiling passionate voices on both sides. KCBS's Mike DeWald has a reaction to this later, latest chapter in the saga. There's no sitting on the fence.
4: Some say they're dismayed by the dismissal of Leron Armstrong as Oakland Police Chief. Carl Chan is president of the Oakland Chinatown Chamber of Commerce. He points to Armstrong's track record in rebuilding trust with OPD. It is quite upsetting, and today I consider uh, today is a dark day for our city. But for others, the move doesn't come as a surprise. Adante Pointer is an Oakland defense attorney. He says the writing was on the wall, given the swift and steadfast action from Mayor Sheng Tao when the report of misconduct first came to light. Her stance didn't change in terms of
1: taking him off leave or From what we know, even giving him an audience for him to persuade her privately that he was still the man or the person for the job.
4: Pointer says Armstrong's removal is necessary oversight and a credit to the work of the federal monitor, but says it's a reflection of a
1: greater issue within OPD. The information on an investigation like this flows from the bottom to the top, meaning it's the original investigators, it's the people supervising them, it's the people supervising it. The supervisors.
4: Pointer believes OPD will remain under federal oversight at least through the selection of a new chief. Mike DeWald, KCBS.
3: More now from KCBS's Holly Kwan on the revolving door in the police chief's office.
4: They can't believe it's happening again.
7: We see the same thing over and over again.
4: Barry Donlin is head of the police officers union in Oakland. He says when the mayor was holding her press conference firing the chief, he had three officers being fired upon in a drive-by shooting while they were investigating another crime. That's what he worries his members are dealing with on top of
7: this department crisis. Stability in that seat, which we haven't had would be appreciated, but also a a sense of leadership, a guidance. Where are we going? What's the plan? Lay out what the expectations are. That's really where we're going, and that's what the officers want.
4: This is coming as the officers are dealing with what he calls an epic IT disaster with the city network down because of a ransomware attack. This forces them to rely on neighboring cities like Alameda and Piedmont.
7: Using other agencies' terminals, they're out there breaking out a pen and paper, trying to write stolen vehicle reports. We have officers with uh, a watch commander issued flash drives with old templates of reports so officers could write it because there's no access to the report-based system anymore. That's all offline.
4: Can't look up warrants or background checks on people pulled over. Holly Kwan, KCBS.
3: Even as Oakland deals with a crippling ransomware attack and the sudden loss of its police chief, there's more bad news. As KCBS's Matt Bigler reports, there's word that the Oakland A's are looking more seriously at moving to Las Vegas. At
6: yesterday's spring training news conference, baseball commissioner Rob Manfred was asked about negotiations between the city of Oakland and the A's, and he said the focus now for team owner John Fisher is not Oakland, it's on Las Vegas. But Manfred noted... There
1: are still conversations going on between um, the A's and the city, I think you know the mayor need a little time to newly elected to get settled
6: if the ballpark project at howard terminal does not move forward it will be a huge blow to oakland sports fans who've watched the warriors and the raiders leave but oakland city council member noel gaio tells kcbs it's not the city's fault that sports franchises want out they
1: have the whole operation and cooperation from the city uh, but it's really about the, the team owner uh, wanting to make more money, and uh, that's a reality that, you know, we experience with the Raiders.
6: Gallo wants the A's to stay at the Coliseum site, something the team has said is a non-starter. The Athletics have played at the Coliseum since 1968, and their lease expires after the 2024 season. Matt Bigler,
4: KCBS. Here's Jessica Birch. Hey, good morning. Daytime highs today are topping off in the upper 50s throughout most of the Bay Area, with low 50s just along the coast. That's kind of like yesterday in the nutshell, but yesterday we had a plenty of sunshine. Today, we're seeing plenty of clouds, an abundance of them, really, as we head into the next couple hours. Now, I will say this. The reason why we're seeing all these clouds, there's a huge rain system just offshore that we're not getting any of the rain from. We're just getting all the leftovers. So mild conditions for us today. Partly cloudy skies into the evening hours tonight. That's the same trend for the next couple days heading into the weekend with a gradual warming trend in place. We'll get into the upper 60s as we head into Saturday and Sunday. So about a 10 degree jump just from today all the way into the weekend. Kind of nice if you have any outdoor plans. I'm meteorologist Jessica Birch with your KCBS KPIX First Alert Forecast.
2: Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your podcasts and stream us on your-